Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Is your postman delivering drugs? Yep, they probably are actually, spoiler alert. And Jim Connolly, he went to find out more about it. He did a film for BBC Newsbeat. So let's get straight into this. This is Stop and Search on Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network, brought to you by ACAST in association with Elite UK. Is your postman delivering drugs? Here we go. Behind your barricades. Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your barricades. Where true values seldom stray. The drugs market has changed, it's diversified. I think most people can spot that. Through the advent of the dark web, you can purchase drugs online and then they get delivered in the post. So what's going on? How does this work? Well, Jim Connolly wanted to find out more about it, so he created a film called Drugs in the Post. It's on YouTube, and if you're listening to this on your cast app, then it's scrolling along the bottom as we speak, so go and watch it now. So let's ask some questions. How's this going on? Can we stop it? And potentially, could this make things safer? These are all questions that we need to ask. We haven't got the answer for necessarily, but we certainly need to ask them. So let's get straight into this. This is Jim Connolly on Stop and Search. So I'm really grateful to be speaking to Jim Connolly from BBC Newsbeat that did a really good job at covering what's going on with the dark web and the domestic side of things of how things are getting delivered. And it was a piece called, Is Your Postman Delivering Drugs? Because, frankly, they are, would you say, Jim? I think it's safe to say that that's definitely the case. I mean, we we started looking at it, and I, we, it, it's an obvious link. If more people are, are buying their drugs on the dark web, and if you look at a lot of the data in the background, and if you look at surveys, the recent global drug survey, that's definitely the trend. And then you only have to put the logical steps in place and go, well, if more people are buying it in that way, they must be getting it delivered some way. And, yeah, other courier services are being used by people on the dark web. But, frankly, if you're looking at UK to UK vendors, so people that are selling from the UK to other people in the UK, the Royal Mail was the main route that we found when we went on the dark web. We looked around, and I don't think... I saw some other vendors that were being used, but I think predominantly, I mean, I wouldn't like to give an exact number, but you're looking at 90 95% of the purchases on that part of the dark web or dark net markets 
is definitely, definitely Royal Mail. And then you just have to do the maths of the logic of it. You go, well, more people buying that way, more people using that service, people saying millions and millions of pounds worth every day. That means that they must be getting delivered by postman. And we found postman... I think it's weird because we found lots of postmen that said that they definitely smelt things and it was definitely like a weed thing, so they smell weed. You can't smell... Oh, a lot of humans can't certainly smell other drugs, obviously, but the weed thing was definitely the thing that they were noticing anecdotally on forums and then we tracked a few down. But it is quite hard to get them to talk about it because there's other political issues that mean that the Royal Mail and Royal Mail employees don't talk to the press. So we that was our biggest stumbling block. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think in a short answer to your first question, yeah, postmen definitely are delivering more drugs than they ever have done. And that's quite noticeable in the piece, wasn't it, that there was people winning speech in the post office, but they wouldn't want to do it on record. No, we basically, we started off, we had this hunch that we followed the kind of like global drug survey as a sort of into it. And we kind of found that we went on there, found this Royal Mail link, thought we'd check it out ourselves started to test it out by going on forums that are used by lots of uh, postmen, scouted around a bit, had a few conversations with people, and then people got a bit sort of nervous about our presence on the forums. I think people initially suspected that we were maybe trying to be, say, some kid in his bedroom trying to buy some drugs, and I think that was kind of put a few people off. And then people just obviously didn't want to come forward and have an on-the-record chat. So then... Being based in London and Mount Pleasant being one of the biggest or the biggest sorting office in the country, it was an easy kind of few hours just to kind of go and walk around there. So I just kind of looped around until people got a little bit kind of weary of me wandering around <laughs> and people would chat to me and then I say, oh, can I record you just on my phone or just, oh, you don't even have to give me a name. And they were like, no, no, you can write down what I've told you, but there's no way I'm putting my name on that. And I don't necessarily think it was a drugs issue. I think it's there's pressures on the Royal Mail. There's definitely pressures on the Royal Mail when it comes to jobs and the sort of future of the mail services, which obviously mean that the Royal Mail don't want their employees talking to the press. And there's always been, there's been a fairly long-standing thing that that's happened. But we got a distinct feeling that there definitely were that communication. And then eventually we managed to track someone down who did speak to us. He was a postman and uh, he kind of gave us, and he was happy for it to go on record. But again, he was like, I mean, we had to heavily disguise the guy. We took him somewhere where he wouldn't get recognised. We filmed him at certain angles and we gave him full anonymity visually. And he was happy for his voice to be used, but he didn't want his name or his face to be associated with it. And I don't think, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, really. He just did his job. He had a, he had packages, he delivered them because that was what in, it was in his bag. And once they were in his bag, his view was, I'm just going to go and deliver them. And I think that's where the kind of interesting kind of line for us came because, yeah, we know lots of people are buying drugs online, but this then makes other people kind of unwitting kind of partners in the drug dealing chain, which is obviously, as a sort of slightly kind of crass journalist, it's kind of like a good line, isn't it? Your postman's delivering your drugs, it sounds quite good. And then when you find out that that's actually happening, you're like... That's, it's good because it's like it's something that you can go to other parts of, like for me I'm all looking around for who wants to feature my story and the fact that people that you see every day are now part of a drug dealing chain that frankly never were or never were much I think we've always known that bits of drugs have been 
posted between students when they've gone off to university or when they've put, gone to Amsterdam on a holiday. I think there was a definite, that was always happening, that kind of trade back of little bits of drugs being sent around. But this is like a fairly large-scale kind of drug dealing. I mean, the guy that we met that bought it, he bought an ounce of MDMA, which isn't, that's definitely not personal use, is it? So, Well, it'd, hard to, it'd be hard to prove that it was uh, personal use if the police came knocking, I think, at that point. That's a lot of dancing and partying. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. And it, it, it must be difficult for the postal staff, because as you said, they, there's pretty much uh, just a, you know, a mandate of you've just got to deliver what's in your bag. If you're a postie or postman or, how, I mean, we're a postwoman, we... I think the, the issue for us and what we tried to get the Royal Mail to come and address with us was the idea that, yeah, the postman is just doing his job. It's in his bag. He's picked up however many hundred letters he posts a day and shoves them through people's door. That's his job. I mean, no one is pointing the finger of blame in any way, shape or form at the postman. But the questions need to be asked of how are the drugs getting moved around and why are they not being stopped and when we were at Mount Pleasant speaking to the posties and postal workers so sorting office staff there we had people of 25 30 years experience talking to us and they had never seen a drugs dog some drugs dog would be an improvement if you're going to try and stop that trade and I'm sure and I know for a fact that the Royal Mail do put dogs out there are scanners there are ways of checking but the fact that a lot of postal workers never see any of that some of them have never experienced it, would suggest that there is a weakness there. We, When we spoke to the Royal Mail, they were like, they gave us the statement saying that they don't unwittingly deliver any mail. They, they do check, they are on top of it, and it's then it's not for them to sort of kind of moralise, really, I think, in, in a great sense. I mean, they're there and they're, check, they're doing the checks they feel they can with the ability that they've got, but if there's a large volume and an ever-growing volume of drugs going through the post, then... The questions go further up the chain. Is it the Royal Mail? Is it the government? Is it... It's it's a lot of people that you've got to look at and think who's stopping the drugs moving around. Because then if you take the step back and go even further and look at drugs entering the country on the dark web or dark net, I always say the wrong one of the two, you've got questions there about customs. I mean, we didn't get into that, so we've not really dealt with customs because of the purchasing we did was UK to UK. But let's be honest, the majority of drugs coming into the country are not made here, are they? I mean, if you think about the logic of what people are buying and consuming, there's a, you can maybe the weed stuff, the, the weed and things like that is getting grown over here. But frankly, I mean, a lot of drugs don't grow over here or aren't manufactured over here. So they're coming in through some way. And the dark web's definitely, or dark net markets are definitely an active route because it's not just people buying for their own consumption you look at the volumes of stuff that's moving around and that's not just personal consumption and it's probably not just a kid selling to his mates and obviously that kid is a dealer by definition but we're talking about people who are definitely small-scale dealers in their areas becoming more and more savvy on the darknet and that's for selling their stuff but also buying their stuff i think i think that's a speaking to the people that we did in our research that's definitely something that they've noticed so from a layman's point of view is there a difference between the dark web and dark net not <laughs> it's one that just used it tied my heads in not the dark web is this kind of the, the larger kind of grander terms for what people would call this thing the dark net is this more specific area of 
the marketplaces and these things. So that you've kind of got it's it's very technical, but we were very careful where possible to keep referring to dark net when we were on a dark net marketplace, which is where they're buying them. Whereas the dark web is this kind of like much more overriding kind of kind of I don't know because it's kind of it's weird because it's it's not a tangible thing in a sense of it not being it's not real as it's not a physical thing but the dark web is the overall arching kind of concept of secretive internet use and then you've got the dark net which is more the marketplaces and the other sort of forums and things that are going on within it so it's, we, we were having to be quite careful and having not talked about it for a month and a half I've obviously I'm slipping myself because I'm just like it it was constantly this kind of like Right, we're we saying the right thing here and here because people that are really into it, like the guy who features in the piece, his life is researching that part of the world, uh, that part of the internet, and he he was very keen that we got this right and we were we were representing what he understands of the internet, and it's it was. I'm not a computer person; that's not my area of interest. I don't understand. I mean, IT. I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I'm rubbish at IT. People at work would laugh that I'm doing something on the dark net because I'm the one that's always kicking off when I can't get bits of the computers to work on the most basic kind of settings. And I'm there on this bit of the internet that no one really understood. And we're all sitting there going blown away by this thing that we had on this work laptop. And you're like, well, this is, this is not what you'd expect. Other than it being a drug story, which obviously everyone expected me to be involved with because that's all I seem to do, I don't think anyone could believe that it was me working on a bit of the internet which was marginally technical because it did take a bit of getting your head around. I, I don't was know say, did it feel like another world? Because you have to go through quite a process to, yeah, to achieve this, don't you? I, I met, if for anyone that, I mean, anyone listening, the piece, there's a guy in the piece called Chris Montero and Chris got put in touch with me uh, put in touch with him via Jamie Bartlett who works for Demos and wrote this book Dark Net or Dark Web I don't know which one of the two he wrote but it's basically he he was sort of like the go-to guy so I went to him saying I'm looking at this and he said well don't speak to me speak to Chris Chris is the guy that really knows what's going on out there he's like completely on top of it and he knows everything there is to know and he will be a great guide to you so I met up with him over lunch, he told me about it, told me how it worked, gave me some estimates of what he thought the marketplace sizes were, what he thought the scale of it all was, what he was hearing was happening on there, on this world that he was researching. And then I went back to the office and took my work laptop out and tried to follow through what Chris had told me. And as previously discussed, I'm not very technical, so I was sat there thinking, God, this is going to be really hard. And it kind of is and it isn't. You have to download a browser that works pretty much like google but it's just really slow and a bit rubbish frankly and that you've got this browser that you download and then from there you then need to know the specifics of the site you're looking for so the specific url and then you use that browser to go and find the marketplace and then when you get on there i mean the first time you click through i was sat at my work desk and you're just like clicking away like open it up and it looks like ebay but it looks a bit rubbish and then you're like, oh, and it's just like my screen has never, my work screen has never had porn all over it. And I was like, oh, there's loads of porn all over my screen because there's obviously porn available for purchase. And then you have to obviously select, like on eBay, I'm looking for rather than CDs, DVDs, books or whatever, you click down and there's like drugs, digital services, which I mean, I think you'd be pretty brave to go veering into there because I think you might find quite a lot of weird stuff. Um, 
weird, like highly illegal, highly inappropriate, awful stuff, I would imagine. Um, but the drugs bit, then you click on the drugs part of it and it's just this kind of like, it, it slightly blows your mind the first time you do it. Have you ever been on? I haven't. No, no it's worth going, I, it's worth browsing on there. As right? you said, I'm so technologically illiterate. That it's possible, it's not hard. If I can do it, you can do it. And it's worth going on because it is kind of like, well, I kept just showing people it. I was just like, look at this. So it's <laughs> randomly like, I don't, my dad's an ex-cop. I was like, showing my dad. I was like, look at this. And it's like, oh, it's just, it's mad what, what's on there. You're like, this is, this is crazy. There's like, oh, which bit of the drugs marketplace do you want to go on? There's heroin, there's this. And I was like, bloody hell. Like, it just blows your mind. And then you click, then you go a bit further into it and you start clicking through. And you become kind of quite aware that the people selling it are just obviously just some dealer and he's got I remember one we went on which was there was like a subsection of like weed which was hash on this like drop down menu and you have these guys and I can't remember they've got like hash brothers or something and they're selling this stuff and they were I don't know where they I don't know if we knew where they were based but basically they had a piece of scratchy paper which they'd drawn on with biro and then coloured in these bubble letters with hash brothers or something written across it as their kind of company logo, as if this was like a legitimate business. And then on top of that, a little bit of their samples. And you're like, this is mad. This is like so amateurish. But then at the same time, the reason they're doing it is quite, I think it's quite fascinating. The Chris, the guy I keep referring to, says, well, the scammers on there. So they're trying to legitimize their products and saying that, that we are here, we are real. And we're not some sort of corporate fake corporate or fake corporate brand on here. There's just some guy that's got some hash to sell and that's what we're doing. And you kind of like see it. And it's weird because putting my like my BBC reporter hat on, you're like, well, this is amazing. You kind of want to show people that this this kind of side of this thing. But then you realise that what's there is highly illegal. And clearly the way that we report stuff on the BBC, there's a kind of like, we have to go through certain guidelines to put stuff out and we can't be seen to one, show people how to buy this stuff. But you kind of want to show people just how amateurish and ridiculous this is because this is like highly illegal and the view of many people highly dangerous because it's a link into a world that's got anything and everything illegal in it. But yet it looks kind of like childishly ridiculous. And I remember just like, like kind of laughing but at the same time being like i can't be seen to be laughing because this is really serious this is like a prop this is like I'm, I'm two clicks away from buying heroin over here and i've got this guy selling hash with this kind of like what looks like a school charge drawn this his company logo and it's like it i found it one of the most surreal things i've ever done at work on many levels like going through and buying drugs while you're at work is quite a surreal thing to do but more so the interaction with this weird website and this weird, what felt like a very weird kind of crazy world. And I just, like I said, kept saying before, I was like having to show people it just to say, can you believe this exists? And can you believe I'm two clicks away from going on and buying like heroin, but it's it's being sold as if I'm buying like, I don't know, I'm, I'm buying a lot of records on Discogs. It's like buying a record on Discogs. It's like very good conditions, got a few scratches. And then this is like, this is what it's going to do to you. This is how I'm going to disguise it coming through the post. And you're like, wow, yeah, that's heroin that's for sale there. That's not, that's, that's not a record. That's like, that's not a DVD. That's not any, that's, that's heroin for sale. And you're like, 
this is this is one of the weirdest places I've ever been. And then you think, oh, look over there, there's the digital services. That That's just like, that's, I mean, you just know you're going to get into some kind of level of trouble over there. And yeah, there, yeah, there's weapons for sale, there's this for sale. The Hitman thing, I think, is a misnomer, I don't think. So but, presumably there's an element of urban myth still. Oh, massively, yeah. I think, And I think Chris is interested in the guy who was the researcher that helped me get access to it and was kind of one of the people we went to for sort of information and kind of guide through it. He's trying to sort of break down a few of those myths because whether you think it's a good democratising effect for the drugs market or you think it's a gateway into illegal, dangerous substances that will kill you, what it isn't is what a lot of people might have argued it is. And that's not to make this seem... Because the weird thing is you can get sucked into it thinking, oh, this is quite a kind of fluffy, kind of crazy world because it's heroin for sale but it's on a stupid picture or whatever. But you've got to realise that it's heroin for sale and even just the marketplaces, like the, the number one most popular marketplaces run by Eastern European mafias, well, that's that's a pretty dark place to be getting involved with. And that's not even the vendor that you're buying it from because your vendor that's selling it is probably connected to some crime gang or connected to some criminal network or not probably is connected to some criminal network even if it's just his own criminal network he is a criminal network and this is a highly illegal space that's selling incredibly dangerous things and that those two things can't be lost in the kind of like novelty factor of being in that space and i think that's what sort of on one level there's me going oh can you believe this look at this this is madness and everyone kind of gathering around at work or whatever and you like or showing your mates screen grabs down the pub going have you seen this look at this is what i'm doing at work and they're like what this is madness and it seems kind of like novelty fun and then you're like actually no you must you've got to keep taking a step back when you're doing something like this and realize i, I think it's not just because i work for the bbc but i think it's highly irresponsible to report drugs in any way other than what it is it's a serious dangerous world and whatever your views on drug legislation, whatever your views on how people consume drugs and the way that people consume drugs, whether you think that we've got it right and we should, or we should be more strict, or whether you think that, you can't get away from the fact that at the heart of it is it's a dangerous place and there's dangerous people existing in there and there's dangerous consequences of doing something with a final product that you could buy on there. And that's kind of difficult from... And the kind of novelty, kind of wow factor of the story, you've got to be careful because you've got to take a step back, otherwise you can get sort of like dragged into like, oh, isn't this weird and funny and quirky? Well, it's not. It's highly dangerous and really kind of serious and people are exploiting other people's weaknesses and miseries on there and that's dangerous in itself. And then you've got the backstory to all these people who, and then the, the crime gangs that are running the whole thing. It's just like, I mean, that is a, that's a crazy place to be existing. Even though you were doing it for work, you must have got adrenaline, uh, both negative and positive, over doing this. Because as you said, it's, it's just a completely different world that, and it's a different space that you've just found. Yeah. I would personally be inherently terrified of going into that realm. Yeah. Uh, to some extent. I, well, as I just mentioned a minute ago, my dad's an ex-police officer. And... My dad, I just, it was, it was actually in the lead up to Christmas and I had a few moments during it when it was like ordering it and picking it up and not the kind of browsing it because you're not doing anything wrong at that point. You're just having a look around something. It's not, you're not really 
breaking the law at that point. The moment you start to actively engage with it, you're like, well, now we're, now we're moving into it. And I just thought, God, this is going to be some Christmas dinner kind of conversation with my dad. What have you been up to at work? Well, I got arrested the other day because we were messing around on the dark web at work. Would be how he hears it in his head as I tell him it over Christmas dinner. That's going to ruin everything. So I was like, well, that's kind of weird. So I, and I think I always had his voice in the back of my head a little bit because... I don't know, it's my dad, isn't it? So you kind of like, you bound up your dad's voice in the back of your head telling you, be sensible. But I, yeah, there was moments where I was like, well, this is kind of like, we've kind of done something now. And we've, once you start to commit to it as well, you kind of realize that you've kind of, you can't go back. There's that, you can start the process of investigating something and then you go, oh, now we've committed to it. And whilst we did, we took a lot of steps to make sure that whilst we were breaking the law, we had some level of, kind of backing by work by the law itself that nothing too serious was going to happen to me if it all went wrong because we were trying to prove we, we had an editorial justification for doing what we were doing we'd been told and we'd done enough research to see that this was a growing issue and we wanted to test it and we also wanted to test the weaknesses or perceived weaknesses that we could see in the postal service so we had reasons to be doing it so we were fairly confident that if something went wrong or I got arrested or something happened in that very short period of buying, picking up, buying, dropping off, picking up, getting tested. If anything happened in that segment of time, I was fairly kind of sure that I wasn't, I wasn't going to get, I mean, we were buying tiny amounts of drugs. We weren't buying vast amounts to test the system in that sense. But you're not going to get away from the fact that you're breaking the law and it is illegal. And if you got caught, it's not going to be an easy process to get yourself out of it. So, or not get yourself out of it, but at least... Some sort of safety net. Yeah, some safety net so that you're not going to end up kind of facing some criminal conviction. I mean, everyone that I spoke to, lawyers, both external and internal in the BBC, were like, look, as long as you follow the set, you keep a very good paper trail, do all the right things, do your job as a journalist, prove that you've got something before you start leaping in, be sensible, you're not... The level of risk is fairly low... And they were more concerned about how we, what we, also what we were portraying and how we were making it seem as a, as a process. But I have to admit that standing in the post office, um, because you had a long wait in that post office. Yeah, that was pretty scary, I must admit. And that was, um, and it's my local post office because I had to buy it on my credit. The Pope, the we bought a PO box or rented or I don't know what you do with a PO box, acquired one for a year. And I put it through and I bought it on my own credit card and then put it through work expenses because obviously it was a, it was a legitimate work purchase. And that was another thing that had to go through a series of kind of, look, we're proving something, but it was my local post office. So it's where I went to go and pick oversized mail or things that I'd missed. So I was walking in to my local post office collection service going, it's quite weird this. And I had my two colleagues in the car, one of them trying to hide, not from, the law or be all kind of like whatever but didn't want to be in shot on the front of the cameras on the front of the car so he's hiding under a coat for bits of it so he doesn't appear so he's easy to blur out in the end edit so it all feels a little bit like kind of rogue traders gone wrong because it's just two guys from the office and me going into my local shop uh, local post office or p.o box center speaking to the woman that always serves me and it was all a bit surreal. And then she went off to this section where I knew the PO boxes were, having seen her go off and collect other people's mail in these PO boxes. And then she disappeared. And she was there for ages. 
And then she came back and she's like, oh, it's not there. I'm going upstairs to check. And I was like, I bet, I bet that she's not. And then you start getting these kind of like mad paranoid thoughts. And I was like, I bet it's, I bet one of the three packages has been, or some of the packages have been intercepted and they're, they're going to go and call the police or there's something going to happen here. I'm going to get in trouble. And I was, the, the bit where I text my, if you've seen it or heard it, the bit where I go and text my colleague was not done for any level of drama. It was done for, I don't know what we do at this point, as in we had a, a set plan of what we were going to do, but how long do I wait in here for this set plan of what we're going to do? I can't run away and go off. So I was like, right, I'm just going to stand here and accept that if a policeman walks through the door in a minute, I'm going to be walking down the police station with him. But I was like, it's not a very relaxing kind of three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon kind of thing. And I was like, well, this was pretty stressful. And then eventually she came down and there'd been a problem with the way they'd set up the PR boxes and they had all three packages and we got the packages and walked out. And then you're traveling through central London in the car with little packages of drugs in it. Or what you think might be, because you're not allowed. The other thing is we couldn't open them at all so the bit in the car where i'm driving along with well my colleague's driving and he's asking me what's in there and we're just feeling the packages again that's not done for any element of like oh what, what could be in there this was genuinely we don't know what's in there what does it feel like we need to talk about that at some point well we might as well do it as we're driving across london because i couldn't open it until i got to the government approved lab at the far end for loads of different reasons but the main one to give myself some level of kind of safety if anything went wrong legally so there was kind of moments where i was like this is actually ridiculous like what we're we doing driving around on work time with work's kind of blessing like I had to go and like get numerous letters or email chains and letters signed off by people and i think i was like well, this is mad but what was kind of interesting was waiting and wondering how they disguised them. And we were like, this is, this is what we were all three of us were like, I wonder what's in there when we get there. Are we going to get what we ordered and how have they tried to disguise them? Because the reality is that the disguising thing is just, that's, that's for a cons, that's not for, that's not really disguising anything. That's a consumer kind of, that's trying to trick consumers into thinking they're somehow safe. I mean, if you put something into a package, that smells of drugs because it's drugs and you go into the package there's a fairly high chance that you're going to have touched that package at some point with your hands and got contaminated so there is no element of the disguise that was in there that would have actually worked the guy that tested it for us was like this is just this is for show this is for consumer confidence there's no if the if the post office want to know what's in that package they're going to know what's in that package they just haven't got the manpower or the time or money to do it efficiently because otherwise as the guy in the piece says you'd be waiting months for your mail and that's just not acceptable no one's going to want to wait months for the mail for what is never forget quite a small amount of well a microscopic amount of the post that's got any drugs in them so i think it is kind of it's an interesting kind of yeah, it was an interesting, it was definitely one of the most interesting days I've ever had at work where you're just like, this is not only quite surreal, like the order in it was quite surreal, sitting in a cafe in London, coming back to the office, checking your emails. Oh, God. We've been, we've had drugs delivered. This is like not things that you normally do on a day to day at work, but it was quite, I just found the whole thing fascinating. But again, going back to that point that I made earlier, you, you kind of what you it's like you're saying it was a criminal you're doing something wrong it's a criminal activity you're aware that at any point it could go wrong and whilst for me if it went wrong it would have been a laborious process of of going through trying to unpick what i'd done and why i'd done it 
it would have also been quite hard to then claim that lots of drugs were getting un undetected in the mail if they'd detected my drugs in the mail. So my story was kind of would have fallen to pieces at that point. But if you were doing that as a, a drug user, as the guy in the piece did, the, the terror levels of doing that, I mean, you'd have to be a fairly kind of brash, confident, slash stupid, naive person to think that, to, to think anything other than, oh my God, is my stuff going to get here? Am I going to have three days of just panic waiting for stuff to come through the post? Because if you get caught, you, you face the same, it doesn't change just because you bought it in some kind of like cyber realm. You, you're still going, you still, potentially, if that guy got caught with all those drugs, he was still going to jail. I mean, he, was, he had enough drugs to be deemed a drug dealer. What he was doing with those drugs, that's another story. But I mean. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Yeah, it's a great film. It's a really succinct piece, and I think you get the suspense across perfectly. Um, and That's one of the, the big things... credit to the guy that, that I should say this because he genuinely, the guy that filmed it, who's in the back of the car under the coat, he, his ability to edit it was amazing, and he's a very talented guy. But it was also, like a thriller. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah we, we were like the three of us were like, "This is this is weird, isn't it?" They were they were sat worried on my behalf, but they had just sat in a car at the end of the day. So there's a kind of it was weird because I was like, "Is this going to come across?" Because we couldn't use any of her because we would have been technically secretly filming or recording her, so we couldn't use any of her. So we had to kind of, and thankfully they'd had the foresight to keep filming in the car. And when the text came through, was able to do a bit of like, oh, Jim's just texted, he said this. And that was a genuine kind of to and fro. And there was also an element where we would, we said, just keep recording everything and keep some record of what's going on. Because if anything does go wrong, we need a, a very short and easy way of going, look, there's some tapes here, we can prove that we're not kind of, we're not, well, we wouldn't be master criminals if we were buying three tiny packages of drugs, but we weren't criminals is what we were trying to sort of have at the back of it. And I had a piece of paper with all my emails in the seat well of the car, and I was like, well, and that wasn't paranoia. That was like, you know, this, I don't want to, if I have to prove it, I'm going to have to go. I don't want to be kind of getting them up on my phone and trying to show them to a police officer. I wanted some form of like, I had all my ID and everything on me. So, so you bought um, a small package or a pill of MDMA, yeah. uh, hash, 
and um, sort of spice like yeah. substance. And the MDMA came in what like Haribo packet. Yeah, right? that was the worst. Frankly, the worst disguised out the lot because although the spice came in just an a like a regular envelope inside a jiffy bag, there was almost like they they hadn't bothered making an effort with that. It was just like here, and obviously there's I mean there's probably reasons for that. It was UK to UK sending, and also because of like the law as it is regarding spice it'd be quite hard to pin anything on anyone there because is anyone the only person doing anything wrong in that chain is probably the person selling it if you look at current drug laws on with relation to spice because me owning or possessing that tiny amount at that point wouldn't have caused me any problems so they probably were quite relaxed about it the haribo suite was ridiculous it was like a packet of Haribos that they'd cut open with what looked like a kitchen knife, rolled up in something to make it a bit squidgy so it might feel like a Haribo, but it didn't, and then just shoved it in the packet and put a little bit of... It didn't even sellotape it up or heat seal it or anything. So it was that was, frankly, a rubbish disguise. And you can imagine the process of some guy in his room rolling all this stuff up. He'd have had some, uh, traces of that drugs all over those packages. So if anything was being checked, it would have been the most pointless... Disguise. The guy, the guy says to us, he might as well just not bothered, mm. frankly. He might as well have done what the guy in the other one did and just put it in something. I suppose it gave it an element of it wasn't going to get smashed up and it might have... I mean, you'd be pretty stupid to have seen that. And a, a, a jiffy bag with a bag of Haribos in there all half torn open and you wouldn't be suspicious as to why it was in there. So that was a rubbish disguise. The tea one was interesting. There was one which was tea tox, the... the fake brand T-Tox and it was supposed to be a sealed package with tea in it for freshness and it had like some kind of weird kind of like faux Chinese logo on it to make it look like tea I suppose and then inside there and that was in like some packet that was designed to be scanner proof and smell proof but talking to the guy who tested it for us he said that I mean frankly that's not really a particularly effective disguise because putting it in and out, you'd probably have contaminated it because I'm convinced that that guy at the far end isn't going to know exactly how he's going to get in and out there. They're not necessarily, they're not necessarily smell-proof anyway. Very few, if any, are. And the scanner thing, it's not really, that's not true either. So, I mean, that was definitely done for user confidence at the far end. But this is this is why I think that's one of the interesting things about the Darknet is that it's kind of, it's built on trust it's, but that's the whole nature of it. It's capitalism in its purest form, if you like. It's built on, you buy a product, if it's any good in inverted commas, you get give it a good review and then other people know that it is there. You made a comparison to eBay, yeah. which is a good example. Yeah, it is. it's eBay. Well, we kept calling it eBay for drugs and it kind of is eBay for drugs. But what you've got to remember is the person at the far end isn't really bothered about you or your safety. He just wants you to come back and buy more drugs because that's he's a drug dealer and that's what they do. So you've got to think, the, the the logic of you thinking you're safe because you're, I mean, getting away from the consumption of drugs, which is a completely different issue to what we were looking at and trying to pr- uh, prove or disprove within the piece. Just the buying and purchasing of that drug, you're not, you weren't any better protected because it was in this packet. In fact, it might have even drawn more attention to it. It was a kind of, it was a weird moment in the piece because you thought we thought oh it's when we when it got opened we did look at it and think oh they've made a really good attempt and the guy who opened it was like it's a rubbish attempt really because it's not going to stop anyone checking it it's not going to stop the smell it's not going to stop the scanner 
it's there to give you confidence as a consumer. And that's quite interesting because it kind of breaks down the whole kind of value of the darknet to users, doesn't it? The idea of the darknet to a user is this is safer in their mind because they're buying it in this kind of covert way. But if the covert way is failing because it's actually slightly rubbish what they're doing, there's no point having the covert nature of it just disappears. So it's a kind of illusion of a, a fail-safe system because it isn't fail-safe and people do get caught. And you don't have to go very far to see reports that people do get caught on there because you I mean, go back to the point, you're breaking the law, you're doing something that's illegal. And if you're buying large amounts of it, it's highly illegal. And depending on what you're buying and dangerous and that's you can't lose that in the middle of all this you can't lose it and think well this is a novelty way of doing it this is dangerous and it is a dangerous world and the people at the other end of it are not there for your safety and not there to kind of look after you they're drug dealers and drug dealers not notoriously nice people i mean that that would be a kind of like kind of slightly cheap naff kind of kind of summation but they're not there to look after people are they they're there to make money out of you and that's what they're doing and they're making it in an illegal fashion so that is kind of for me it was interesting seeing the three things come through i was like this is weird and, and you spoke to yvette cooper the chair of the home affairs yeah. committee now and she was quite surprised she didn't know that this was as big a problem as what it is yeah i i she was he's new to that role and i think honestly i think people there's if you think about the nature, and we mentioned it earlier, of what is going on on the dark net, you've got to bear in mind that where's your, or the dark web is probably the better use of the, the phrase in there, the dark web. You've got to think, if you're trying to crack down on this, which the authorities are doing and are doing successfully, intermittently breaking down networks, breaking down across borders, breaking this down, where would you put your focus if you were trying to look at this? There's child pornography, there's illegal weapons there's terror like shocking stuff that would like blow your mind credit card fraud on a massive scale like stuff that's and that's like the majority of or not a majority that's a large part of what is going on on that place so you've got to think where's the, where would you your focus be if she's her focus will be on child protection and probably quite rightly but she did acknowledge that yeah, there was a big problem here and there was questions for people to answer. And I think the interesting thing, as part of the her role as the new Home Affairs Select Committee chair, she was she's going to chair a committee uh, report into the future of policing and looking at cybercrime and cybersecurity as part of that. And you've got to realise that this is going to become part of that investigation. What, not necessarily what we found, that would be slightly kind of crass of me to start claiming that somehow because we found something out that they're going to go and look at it. But it was definitely something that she acknowledged was there and something that she wanted to discuss further with people. And I think really, yeah, it will be part of it. The, the drugs element will be part of it because it's definitely a growing issue and it's an issue that the authorities want to crack down on. But the other parts of the dark web are definitely probably of a greater concern to them because of what is going on elsewhere on there and i suppose in a way if you can crack down on one bit you might inadvertently crack down on the drugs bit anyway as you said but, there's quite a focus on data breach and and weapons you know these are the things yeah. that people were got major and, concerns about yeah and the, the child pornography element of it is definitely i mean that is a, a huge 
issue on there. I mean, and I mean to the point where you're like, I, I, I wouldn't, you, I wouldn't didn't feel comfortable clicking on it. So you, you kind of more, but human curiosity says, I wonder what's in, behind that drop down menu there. You're not going to click on that. I, I, my interest was on what people are buying on there within relation to drugs. There's other people out there that investigate that stuff, and all credit to them. And that those people that are doing that, they know that the dark web is definitely a place where that sort of criminal activity is going on. And frankly, I think everyone would accept that that's probably where the focus is going to be. But that's not to say, I, I do think that there is now a renewed kind of move to do that. The government, I mean, I'm just looking on my, uh, my notes here, the government confirmed to us how much money they were spending on this. And it, I think it is fair. A billion. Oh, billion. On oh, cybersecurity yeah. over the next five years. So I think it, they didn't come and speak to us, but they did give us a fairly chunky statement and they did reaffirm their kind of stance on it. And it was the kind of stance you'd expect with relation to drugs. They see drugs as dangerous and therefore they're illegal. And that's their, that's their drug policy. You can't, you can't question that. That is their policy. There's no kind of gray areas with the, with this current system. That's what they kind of view the system as. And they can, I think everyone is in agreement. And you look at the statement, 1.9 billion pounds over the next five years. And the National Crime Agency Cybercrime Unit is this kind of, their kind of flagship part of that. And they're definitely spending a lot of money looking at cybercrime. I don't think that's, and I think you only have to look at a fairly kind of, I don't think a week goes by now without cybersecurity or cybercrime being in the news in some way. And this is a little tiny slither of that. But it's another element of why the authorities are worried about it. You, I mean, look at oh, look at the recent elections we've had and issues of cybersecurity there. Look at fraud on a major level. Look at the organised gangs and crime that must be going on on there. And that's a part of the equation that I think everyone would accept. You need to crack down on if you want to have a safe society. And this is an element of that for the government. I mean, I'm not sure how much of the 1.9 billion pounds is going on the drugs issue, because it's a pool of money. But I suppose if you're tackling cybersecurity as a kind of wider issue, the hope is you catch parts of in your sort of giant Venn diagrams of doing stuff. I suppose you hope that you're sort of one of your little bits of your circle cracks over one of these marketplaces and brings them down as part of your investigations. Because the links between the people who run the, the, the marketplaces, these eBay's for drugs and organized crime is direct and it's organized crime on a very sort of serious and scary level and isn't just about drugs. It's about human trafficking it's about weapons it's about instability and danger in the world all connected to these gangs so i think there is an element of the government whilst didn't want to come speak to us about this definitely spending money in this area and i think they're working with each other because that was one of the things that we definitely kept coming across was while some countries are doing better in inverted commas at fixing it I think you can definitely see that there are levels of coordination that we probably haven't seen between governments on other issues because I think you can't... You can, it's no good the government here spending £1.9 billion on cybersecurity if other parts of the world aren't doing anything because it, the nature of the internet, you can't... It's not in one place, is it? And this it's is where it creates the strange ethical dilemmas as well because some people will say that the dark net is there doing some kind of self-regulation for the issue 
Others are going to say that it does breed organised crime. And it does get to the point of where do you best apply resources? And that's what we've got in the physical world as well. Of mm. The drugs market we've got, you know, the police services are doing different approaches now. Do you think that there could be a way forward where we will have a more nuanced discussion within that? I think it's hard to say that because I think if you think, I think, and I think it's a very fair point, the government aren't distinguishing there between, aren't telling us what, they're not going to tell us, are they? They're not going to come on and say, oh, we're spending this on this and we're tackling this person here or this organised crime gang here. But if if the drug policy is X at the minute, which is drugs, we're not we're not moving on this, the dangerous illegal zero tolerance, zero tolerance. yeah if that's that's your policy and that's the policy of lots of your ally countries you're working on that together and you're seeing cyber security is one big sort of one big pot of money and one big pot of resources to tackle this i think they would argue they're doing the right thing they're, they're making they're trying to tackle a global issue by working together with other governments and i think this idea of are we going to see a more nuanced way of doing it? I, I mean, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, I think at the moment, the minute you've got, you've got drugs policy as it is, you've got policing as it is, and those two are kind of intrinsically linked, and they're probably and they're interlinked across the world. We spoke to New Zealand's customs, and that was interesting. They kept getting flagged up as being the best at sort of cracking down on this, but they say they, they were quite open about the fact that they deal a lot with their UK colleagues. They don't they aren't working in isolation. And I think the 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 nature of the dark web or the internet generally or this concept of a, a, a cyber world that we live in means that the boundaries of where we I think kind of physical boundaries become slightly irrelevant and without getting really kind of deep and kind of like off the topic, if you think about the way the world is at the minute when it comes to globalization and the way that things are changing massively and potentially leaving people and parts of it behind in that kind of movement this just is another element of this this idea of like the like cyber kind of interconnectivity is something that i i mean i'm not I'm not a very technically minded person but i can see looking out in you can see how kind of like massive this is and how can you you can't tackle every marketplace and it 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 kind of does boil down to similar arguments that you get in the kind of physical world about drug dealers you can't tackle one because you tackle one another one pops up and sells it somewhere else and on the on an internet-based platform it's even easier for people to do that frankly because you don't need the infrastructure you don't need you just need to be much better at computers than the people trying to crack you down uh, crack down on you and at the minute there's a lot of marketplaces out there to buy drugs. So you'd argue that whilst they are cracking down, and when I say they, I mean global authorities, while they're cracking down on that, it's very hard because you get one closed and it's whack-a-mole, isn't it? It's the, same in, it's the same in kind of the physical world of drug dealing. You get one dealer off an estate, another one pops up. You get one dealer off, off the dark web, another one's going to pop up because there's a lot of money to be made out of it. And I, I think that's where it kind of like all becomes very difficult to sort of distinguish because yeah, maybe they're just maybe the focus is so big it's really hard to kind of like be nuanced about it because this this is something somewhere we've never been before as a 
as a world. I think that's quite a, I mean, it's interesting, but it's, it's kind of deeply frightening if you really think about it, because it, it throws up lots of different questions going forward as a kind of globalized society, which is quite fascinating slash terrifying if you don't really understand it, which I think most of us would fall into that latter category. Well, that's the perfect roundup. Jim Connolly, thank you so much. I'm going to put the link up so people can watch the film, and I do recommend people do watch that film. Thank you. Yeah, and it's well, it's just gone on. There's been a, a if you can, if you don't want to watch it, there's been a radio version that's just gone up in the last week on Radio One and One Extra. But the visual one is staying up probably, I think, for the rest of the year. So there's that one up there as well. Well, so. make sure you do watch it. And thanks so much for joining us, Jim. No problem. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Jim, for giving us that conversation. You may have heard that conversation elsewhere, but we've re-edited it and republished it because we wanted to make sure that we shared it with our Stop and Search audience. So thank you so much for listening on that. And if you want to find Jim on Twitter, he's at G-Y... No, let me say that again. He's at G-Y-M-E-7. So let me spell that out one more time. To follow Jim Connolly, at G-Y-M-E-7. And as you can tell, I was reading off the screen. Right, a few thank yous. Thank you to Nikki and Tristan, the producers. Thank you so much for all you do. And thank you to the two Johns, John Cross, uh, who is our Lit UK social media, and John Harris, the Distraction Pieces Network social media, who also does the Dream Factory podcast, which I rave about. I've got to do our Lit UK social media, and I can never remember it, so bear with me. Here we go. At UKLeak.org is our Facebook. UKLeak.org is our website. At UK Leap is our Twitter and at UK Leap is our Instagram. Whew. I will do that fluently one day. I really will, I promise. And thank you. My name is Ad, Adam Richardson for all the artwork you do us. Please go find him if you need any artwork needs. And also thank you to Johnny Borrell for our theme tune. Thank you so much for all you do. Right. I think that's it. And we've got some amazing shows lined up. And I'm not just saying that. I'm just about to start editing another one, which is going to be pretty damn good. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Behind your barricades Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your barricades Where true values seldom stray Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.